You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. there and welcome back to rebel cells the star wars animation podcast for the bad batch season two episode uh the crossing i am one of your hosts michael cohen and with me i i just just the two of us this week it's me and the altitudinous kyle avery i know it's rebel cells now with 33 percent less uh illustriousness yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say a hundred percent less illustriousness, but that's true. That's true. I, I, but thirty three percent less. You know, le- hey, listen, uh, I don't really think Joe's been pulling his weight, anyways, lately. So, um, I don't even think anybody would notice. I think we could have introduced him, and I could have just like cut in him saying hi from a previous episode, and then <laughs> and then we could have just continued on. Um, no, I th- this is this is the reality of it is that Joe often is uh rec- i mean he is always recording three hours ahead of us or three hours ahead of me two hours ahead of you um and so i i you know when we record later at night like we are tonight i i you know he if he hasn't gotten a lot of sleep i wouldn't be very talkative uh, either if i were in his position but i uh, but tonight he's uh he's he's got a he's got a work project that he's got to go tackle so uh so it's just me and kyle to talk about uh, what will be yet another episode that some people on the internet refer to as filler, but um, is actually, in my opinion, the best episode of the season. I, 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 I loved this episode, man. I, I had such a good time with it. I'll get into that. I but I I know myself and I'm gonna go it's gonna I'm gonna talk uh for a very long time about the reasons why I like this episode so I'll let you go first Kyle uh what did you think of this one I liked it a lot too I definitely would not say it's my favorite episode of the season especially not coming off the heels of the last two um which are probably my two favorite episodes of the entire series of Bad Batch but this was definitely mm-hmm. a good one and I definitely would not consider it filler because it was very much like an emotional follow up to last week um yeah seeing you know the different members of the Bad Batch particularly Omega and uh Tech and the different ways that they deal with Echo having left the group um mm-hmm. and I particularly liked I, I particularly liked how it showcased um Kind of how, you know, from Omega's point of view, she felt like the Bad Batch and Tech especially were being kind of callous about it. And, uh, you know, she obviously was, you know, very sad and and, uh, missing Echo um, and felt like the rest of them, you know, just kind of didn't care. But, um, I mean, they brought up a good point that, like, they've all been a squad since before Echo joined. And, uh, you know, now they're still all together after he's gone and they know that he's off with Rex and, you know, they're soldiers and they go on different missions and they're not together 100% of the time. So they're just kind of like, it is what it is. Um, But, you know, then you think of Omega and like from her coming on the scene, like she's only known the Bad Batch with Echo as part of the group. 
um, and has gotten to know them as this big family. And so for her, it's a big loss. Yeah. And so it's like, you can kind of see both sides of it and, and understand where they're all coming from. But it was also really nice to see that bond between Omega and tech develop, because I feel like the two of them had, um, like kind of, we had seen the least personal moments between the two of them. Um, obviously she's got a very like kind of surrogate father daughter type relationship with Hunter and a very like big brother, little sister type relationship with Wrecker and um, almost kind of like an uncle type relationship with Echo, I feel like. Um, and even though we've talked about on previous episodes, it felt like Echo kind of got the least amount of character development on the show sometimes, or sometimes it felt like they weren't sure what to do with him. I feel like he did still get some nice moments with Omega. Um, and Tech has always been kind of a, a predominant member of the squad and he gets a lot of screen time, but I feel like he and he and Omega don't interact much. And so I feel like this was a perfect, um, a perfect episode to kind of showcase their differences and the different ways that they think and process things, but to give them, um, you know, some, some nice emotional bonding moments and, uh, help them, you know, sort of come to a deeper understanding of each other at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was, um, it was really great to see those two characters come together and, and get these kinds of moments. It's funny. Cause we actually, uh, with faster, we got a tech epi tech centric episode already this season, but this one, um, this one was less about tech specifically and more about, about the two of them together and that dynamic as they, uh, as they play off of each other. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it man, I, I just, I really, really loved all of that stuff before we get into, I think the meat of, of what this episode ended up being about, we can talk a little bit about, about sort of the opening of it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this because we can do a little bit of speculation. Uh, the kid who stole the Marauder, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting Hondo vibes from that kid. It is obviously not Hondo Onaka. Yeah. But but the that kid is I mean like they are diminutive diminutive Oh my god, I can't say that word. Diminutive. There we go. I I it looked like a kid to me. It looked like a kid to you. I didn't necessarily get that vibe. It was hard to tell. Um you're right. It did. They, they did sort of look slender in frame, um, you know, yeah. or, or diminutive kind of. I mean, at first glance, like when when we first saw them on the screen, you're right. The first thing I thought was Hondo because it was like the, hel slender, the helmet and the, the helmet, feathers, the, right? the red jacket and the, the red jacket, the, yeah. the long hair that kind of looked like Hondo's braids. And then you realize, oh, wait, that's like feathers or something. And like, is yeah. that their hair? Is that just like a headdress kind of thing? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even think about the fact that maybe it could be some sort of like member of like a Hondo pirate crew and they they all kind of wear outfits that are kind of like reminiscent of him. But now just you talking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe that's a possibility. I think it's somebody who might be choosing to model their look after Hondo. Um, very weird because we got Gunji already this season. <laughs> <laughs> if we get another one of those, one of the gathering Padawans, I, I, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what we'll, we'll obviously see next week how that plays out, but it was conspicuous. I'll say that like, there's definitely 
an element to that character, whoever they are, that um, that felt very Hondo. And then the stealing of the ship is a very Hondo move. So, um, yeah, like I wouldn't, I'm not worried about the Marauder. I, I'm sure that they're going to get the Marauder back, but I, I, yeah. and at the same time, I also wouldn't be mad if they didn't. Because this season so far, I mean, first of all, we saw them get the new looks. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's very much kind of about, um, well, we've seen, you know, Echo go off on his own path. And I'm sure we haven't seen the last of, you know, like we'll see Echo again in the show and we'll see him with the squad again. But maybe this is, you know, the end for him being um, like a permanent member of the squad. I mean, Omega said, you know, she's like, oh, it feels like everything's changing, which makes me wonder if, you know, are we eventually going to see maybe more of them um, yeah. find homes in other places? And uh, like I said, you know, we've we've got the new outfits. Obviously, things are changing very rapidly for the, the regular clones within the Empire. So I feel like them losing the Marauder and maybe getting a different ship, um, especially one that maybe kind of fits their maybe more of their newer identity as a a family and just kind of a a group of mercenaries doing their own thing. Cause you know, the Marauder was still, you know, like their modified Republic shuttle or whatever. So, um, I mean, I won't be surprised if they get the Marauder back, but also I feel like if they have to end up getting a new ship, it would kind of thematically fit for where we're going with the season so far. I think I, you know, you know what I think is going to happen. This is my prediction. I think that they're going to get the Marauder back. I think when they get the Marauder back, it's not going to look the same as it did when it left. Um, if here's, here, here's the thing. If that character has a connection to Hondo and he's taking that ship back to their pirate layer, uh, or whatnot, um, I would expect a redeco on, on the Marauder, uh, and maybe even some modifications. And then I think that they'll get it back and it will have like transformed. It'll have become a different, a different. Uh, not, I mean, like not an entirely different ship, but speaking it will have taken Hondo, on a little bit more character. Speaking yeah. of Hondo redecorating ships, does he still have Slave One at this point? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, like, I like it doesn't change hands, right? Like in in that story, he still, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, like the yeah, the, the last time we I, see I can't him remember Wars is in that Hondo episode. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the planet that they're on, that his base is on. The last time we it's, saw um, that Florum. was, is it Florum? Yeah. Is that, that's where his base is? Okay. Yeah. And um, it's where Gr- Grievous comes and attacks and, uh, you know, the, he and that, the, that's, the Jedi yeah. escape. That is the last time we saw the base because we know by rebel by the time of rebels that he's like his whole operation has fallen apart right yeah yeah. um is it when grievous attacked no no the last time that we saw his pirate base was when maul and savage press attacked because that's season five because the gathering's not season five gathering is season four isn't it no the gathering's also season five because the wow. yeah because um remember they aired they kind of aired those episodes out of order so chronologically the the youngling stuff happens before the mall stuff but they aired that fir- that first mall episode as like the first episode of the season just to like build up the Darth Maul hype so we saw That's his right. base That's like right. in disarray after Grievous had attacked before we saw the episodes where Grievous actually attacks the base. 
That's right. Yep. 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 Yeah. You're totally right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that, that, uh, that, that mall episode is the, is the last time in, in the chronology that we see it though. So, um, mall and Savage did a pretty, did a pretty good number on it too. I don't know if, if he's still hanging out there, but, uh, uh, it seems like after the separatists sort of blow up your spot that, uh, that you, that you'd want to move. I mean, like the Republic yeah. knows where you are. The separatists know where you are. It's time to go. Right. Oh yeah. Um, no, and I'm not necessarily expecting him to still be on Florum. Um, yeah. I'm just saying but in, in a, like wherever they are. Yeah. They've got yeah. the, they've got slave one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, theoretically, uh, and yeah, that's an, that's a story that has not been told yet of how Boba initially got slave one back. And, and, and I mean, like the expectation is that who, who do we think repainted slave one? You think that Boba repainted slave one to match his armor? Like, or that he painted them at the same time? Like that. that well, was no, like because a, in, in clone wars, had it already been it's, done? It, yeah, because I mean, we see it like Django's color at first when it first shows up, and then Aura Aura Singh has it, and she crashes it when she's fighting Ahsoka, and then Hondo has it, and it's already repainted to like the, the green and red that we see it later with Boba Fett. Okay, it's been so long since I've watched those episodes, like that specifically, because that's like that's before that's season four, right? That's season four. No, that's that same when we is it the, the last time arc? that we see Hondo with it is is in those youngling episodes in uh season five. We see Slave One in those episodes? Yeah. That yeah, that's how they escape at the very end. Unless I'm remembering wrong and getting it confused I, with another arc, but I'm I mean like I'm sure. not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that you've got it right or I've got it wrong or any of that. I I just feel like that would be a thing that I would have remembered. But again, it has been a long time since I've watched season five of Clone Wars. Uh I'm trying to bring it up on on the 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 website right now. Uh oh my god, Clone Wars is like so far down. Uh, but resistance is below it. Um, let's see. So we're talking yeah, it's the, about it's the episode "Bound for Rescue" from okay season five from season five. Okay, okay, okay. Bound for rescue. Bound for rescue. Uh, unnecessary bond. There we go. Bound for rescue. There we go. Interesting. And so it's the one. It's got Ahsoka. This is like the circus one. It's the one after the circus one. Um, oh, but they, so they're in it. And oh, yeah, that's the rewatch. I don't want to. I don't want to go to that story about the rewatch. Uh, I want the episode gallery. There we go. Bound for rescue episode gallery. Do 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 do. Slave one. Slave one. Somewhere in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's it's how they really? escape from Grievous at the end. It does not show it in the episode gallery at all. I don't see it at all. I see, I see like the last image is the skiff is like that, that. No, this isn't, this isn't the one where they make it back to the Republic. No, it must it be the next episode. Is. It, Unless it's, the, it what's the, the, um, what's the last one called? Let me see. Let me see. Uh, 
Maybe test I'm just the getting the episode title Unnecess- wrong. Unnecessary Bond, I think, is the final one. So let's yeah take a look. Oh, here. what did I say? Did I say Bound for Rescue? Yeah. Oh, okay. That must be the third one. So they're on this ship. Like what I'm seeing is this ship that looks like the like the desert skiff. Um, but man. Nope, you're right. There's Slave One. Yeah, and it's and it's painted the colors of of uh, like the boba colors. Uh, okay, so well, there you go. The Slave One hovers behind the younglings. The ship's hatch opens, revealing Katuni. She calls for her classmates to come aboard. All right. So I guess that Hondo lands the Slave One on a Republic cruiser and then leaves. It it is wild to me that Hondo like. <laughs> That is <laughs> that uh, that's got one of my favorite moments in all of the Clone Wars when like Hondo shows up and is like, I did it. I rescued these Padawans. And it's like after you <laughs> kidnapped them, it's like, yes, yeah. but I kidnapped them to rescue them. We're friends, <laughs> me and Obi-Wan. And, it, then yeah, Obi-Wan's and then I think he like, tries to even get paid, no. too. He's like, so I'll take my reward yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And Obi-Wan's kind of like, we're going to let you leave. That's your reward. <laughs> uh, man, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, man. So like, okay, so so let's let's just let's just hypothesize for a second. If it's one of these kids, if it's one of the, the younglings, um, I think I mean, like physically, it's got to either be Katuni, which is tough because she's got the um She's got the, the, I don't like, this is the thing with that. Um, I, what, what, uh, what, what species is Katuni? What's that? Like the Adigalia species, whatever species that is. Oh, I don't know. Gosh. I always forget the name of it. Are the things off the back of their head? Like, are those part of them? Or is that just like a, like a thing that they wear? It's, I want to that- say it's a headdress, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, like, you know I'm, what it, it is? I think it's I oh, I'd have to like double check Wikipedia. I want to say it's like a Thalothian or something. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. And Adigalia Thalothian. Man, you are on point tonight. Uh Thalothian. Yeah, I think No, they're definitely it's the those things are definitely it's like weird head tentacle things are oh, definitely really? meant to be uh yeah, when you see the picture of Adi Galia and you look at, at 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 her head, um they can be distinguished from typical humans by their partial bluish skin pigmentation, their scaled craniums and fleshy white, blue, or red tendrils that sprouted from their skull caps. So uh Katuni so weird being a Thalothian, it like but but like this is the thing is that is that you know she, this character has that helmet on and and the uh and the feathers uh which would be a really good way of like hiding details like that right so mm-hmm. i don't know um so it could be katuni i think it's more likely that it's uh uh is it petro uh the, yeah. which who's the human if 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 it's anybody i think it's petro because the that that character's body seemed more masculine to me i'll say uh, i don't want to like rule anything out because it's a cartoon and it's 
outer space. So uh, yeah, I would agree know, with that though. That was kind of the the impression I got. That's kind of the vibe, right? So yeah. Um, uh, all of that said, it could be a brand new character. It could be, it could be somebody else from the Clone Wars that that that, that we're not thinking of. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, it, there 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 are there are distinct Hondo vibes coming from that character, and so I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we end up uh, learning that that this is connected to Hondo in some way, which will be. Oh, sorry. Uh, that was a big yawn for me. Um, it'll be uh, exactly what I'm asking for from this show, right? Because that's the one thing missing so far. It's an animated property. We're, we're halfway through season two, and we haven't seen Hondo. We haven't seen Hondo, Kyle. We'll it's get tragic. there. We'll get there. It's tragic. Um. Cool. I uh, yeah. So they're they're <laughs> Sid has sent them on yet another errand, uh, another uh, uh, deadly errand, um, to uh, basically like go to this mine and and then uh, I see if there's anything left and if there is to bring it back. Um, really interesting that they're like it's this new thing that we just made up. Uh, and you you extract it, and it's a liquid, and then the liquid, if it uh, if you touch it, it's gonna explode. Um, and it's like, well, that sounds an awful lot like coaxium. I don't know why you guys didn't just make it coaxium, <laughs> but it's almost like, had they made it coaxium, would we have just complained that it was coaxium? Um, and also, if it was coaxium, everybody would be going after it. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, but uh, it's this. What what's it? What did they call it? I can't remember what they called it. Oh, I see this one. I'm not going to get off the top of my head. Yeah, it was some sort of ore, and that ore, when you mined it, you're 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 taking the liquid out of the inside of the ore, which is a weird way of going about it. But uh, but that's what they did. So, um, yeah, it's I I they get it their ship gets stolen they have to walk back to the nearest spaceport they get caught in a storm and uh wrecker almost gets mufasa uh (laughs) (laughs) um i man uh the moment when when wrecker is like like he's climbed up the thing he's just narrowly made it out and the 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 case is still down there and tech is like you got to go down there and protect the case and uh, and and Wrecker's like, but what about me? And he's like, it will all blow up if you don't go down there and sacrifice your life. Um, <laughs> just another example in this episode of tech sort of being um, I, I, tactical first and sentimental second. Yeah. I, so Wrecker jumps down and, and gets pummeled, but uh, but makes it through and then and then has to carry Wrecker makes tech carry the case. Wrecker fist fought a rancor. He'll be fine. Yeah, he's all right. Um, not worse for wear. That's for sure. I uh, and then and then Tech ends up dropping the case because of the storm, right? And it explodes mm-hmm. and caves in the the second mine that they're trying to hide in. So, um, that's really. I mean, like it was a lot of work 
I feel like we could have sped this episode up a little bit <laughs> by just having them get stuck in the first mine, but that's fine. They got they all, there's the Mufasa sequence, so yeah. I mean, I will say even before we get to kind of like the emotional core of the episode yeah. for all this stuff, I mean it you know, for again not to not to try to lump it in with this but obviously you know there's people talking about this being filler and if you want to compare this to the other quote-unquote filler episodes of the season like um entombed and and faster and and those ones i still was more invested in this like just kind of from the get-go and i don't know if it was like just the visuals of the planet that they were on if it was the music like the music in this episode was really cool um or maybe just a little bit more interesting setup, like, okay, we got to get this dangerous material, but yeah. then the ship gets stolen. And so it was like right off the bat, like there was, you know, there was some interesting stuff happening um, that was holding my interest right from the beginning. And I was like, okay, yeah. even if this is just kind of another like adventure of the week kind of episode with no real big stuff going on, like I was, I was enjoying the ride more than I was kind of with some of the previous ones. Yeah. I, you, you know what it is? The funny thing is that people are going to call stuff like this filler. And it's like, oh, it's another filler episode. Filler, 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 filler. Um, two things. First off, it's not a filler episode. This is just what the show is. If there was one episode and then they got back into like large, you know, overarching storylines and blah 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 then i would be like oh okay that episode was a little bit of like oh we're just gonna pad the season out with a couple of these one-off adventures that's not what the show is the show is the one-off adventures yeah the thing that is making this season feel like these episodes are fillers for some people is the isolation we are spending a lot of time on empty planets with just the Bad Batch. We're not dealing with clone troopers a lot. We're not dealing with stormtroopers a lot. We're not dealing with other places. And when I think back to season one, when we went to, um, uh, uh, oh man, what was the planet with like the, 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 the truck chase, uh, with, with, uh, uh, Oh, wait, 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 with the, the walkers. No, no, like when they're chasing, like in the, and the, the, I, is it Fennec is chasing them? Oh, the yeah, first yeah, time yeah. That that's Fennec on shows um, Pantora. Yeah, that's right, on Pantora. So, um, yeah, it's like, I think of that episode. That episode, I remember saying back when we, when we talked about that episode, that's what, um, like, that's what George dreamed of with the prequels was a world that looked like that. Right. And it's like, and we got bits of that in the prequels, but like, like seeing Pantora in that episode was like, Oh my God, like it's full of speeders. It's full of characters. Uh, there's people walking around all over the place. There's crowd sequences, there's explosions and excitement and adventure. It just felt really alive. Right. And then this season we have just kind of gone from empty wasteland to empty wasteland. I, uh, which feels like it has to be intentional at this point but but there has been a, an aspect of it i mean like we just spent two episodes on coruscant last week um to break that up but but it does feel very much like like the locations that we're going to um are very empty and yeah i, I mean like like i see that as like a thematic element of this season that the bad batch are 
hiding. They are isolated. This is why Echo left, right? Because they just keep on going to places where there is nobody to help and there's no one to get entangled with. Um, But the fear is constantly that they're going to get stranded. And there's something there. There's something there. I I can't put my finger on it just yet thematically what that means. But it is a through line this season. And I think it's making it feel like filler because if we're not fighting clone troopers, we're not fighting stormtroopers. The empire doesn't have anything to do with it, which it doesn't in this episode. The empire has nothing to do with it this, this week. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, then what's the point of the bad batch? But the, but the point to me right now is that these guys have to get from where they are to where we need them, which is um, forming a rebellion, right? Uh, specifically, hopefully a clone trooper rebellion, but but rising up against the Empire. And Echo was already there, and so he left. He got the opportunity to go with Rex and take the fight to them. So he did, right? And, but the others, they're not, they're not ready yet, right? Um, because they have a lot of growing to do. And this episode, that's what that was about. Tech has to become uh, a more uh, integrated part of the team in order for us to get to that next stage. I, I, he's already a contributor, but he almost feels like at odds with them from time to time, right? Yeah, certainly, certainly at odds with with Omega uh, uh, quite a bit. So um, and I think like it's really interesting to to uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the idea that that splitting up the team allows us to focus on different dynamics um, and and get to know these characters in different ways, different lights from different perspectives. This isolation on this planet without echo like we're we are we're one man down and we feel it the whole episode they make Mm -hmm. a a point of it at the beginning of like wrecker and omega stay up here uh while tech and i go down like hunter talking like while tech and i go down and and assess the situation and it's like well you guys can't just go down the two of you Wrecker's like, I'll come with you. And, it's, and Omega's like, it's fine. I'll, I'll be lookout up here by myself. But it doesn't work, right? And it's like, well, yeah, because you guys are like, you're you're missing a component, right? So it makes me wonder, are they going to recruit somebody new to the team? Or how quickly does Echo come back to the team? But, or how quickly uh, does Crosshair come back to the team? Or Crosshair. That's that's true. That's true. Maybe by the end of the season. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a it, it's a it's an interesting dynamic that we've got going on right now. It's broken, right? And it's broken on purpose in order to let us know that it's broken and that these guys are a family and they're incomplete at the moment. And yeah. um and moreover that they've been incomplete since Crosshair left as much as they are trying to ignore that fact. Right. They're, they've been trying to sort of like not look at it. And and um, and Echo leaving is one of those things that like like tech brings it up and he's like, well, you know, like Crosshair left, too. And it's 
I and and we kind of, I I feel like I I have kind of forgotten that because it's been so long since they parted ways. They they even since the end of season one, it's been such a long time. So it's one of those things of like it was nice to have that reminder of like oh that scar is still there like that's mm-hmm. that wound is is actually not a scar yet it's still fresh for tech it just doesn't come out in the same way with him as it does with others um which which was really interesting so yeah it it i mean this is what needs to happen to the story right this is that's why like sitting through this one i was going like this is what this is what I've been missing from the other ones. They we've had fun and there's been cool stuff. The crosshair episode, I think did the same amount of work that this one does for crosshair as this one does for tech. But at the same time, it's like, like I said in that episode, I I don't particularly care that much for crosshair. So it was a waste of time for me personally, but I understand everybody else's excitement over that. So you know, but with this one, I'm a little bit more engaged because tech is my favorite character on the show. So, um, until Hondo shows up at least, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I think I'm going to give this one a little bit more of my attention, but, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we get into the whole tech part of it? Well, one thing I was going to add, I mean, you talked about like the reasons why people might call this and other episodes this season filler as opposed to last season. And one thing that I that I will say is I do feel like like even though season 1 also had a lot of these one-off adventure of the week type episodes, I think like by this point in season 1 there were definitely more sort of like progressing through lines um because we had kind of this continuous thread where it wasn't just like the Bad Batch, you know, off doing their own thing every week, but it was still kind of them trying to find their groove and figure out like, what do we do? And then like getting introduced to Sid and figuring out, can we trust her or not? And then meanwhile, you had Crosshair and his Imperial squad. I mean, we've only seen Crosshair once so far this season. And season one, we were checking in on him a lot more and kind of seeing how things were progressing under the Empire and you know, him working with Rampart and getting his like prototype, you know, Stormtrooper squad together and stuff. And so I do feel like, you know, it, it obviously, like I said, I wouldn't consider this episode filler or, or anything like that, but I can see where people are maybe getting a little frustrated because even compared to season one, like it felt like season one kind of had more continuous story momentum up to this point in the season. Um but yeah, like I said, with this one in particular, I felt like even though maybe the the plot wasn't you know, super like intriguing or, or, you know, there was no like big stuff happening, especially in compared to last week's episodes. And it's easy to think, you know, Oh, every week I want to see, you know, this big like galaxy shaking stuff with the clones and everything. Um, but it was definitely, like I said, an, an important, um, you know, emotional and character driven follow-up to last week that definitely progressed the story of the bad batch and of these characters and was not just kind of like a, a drifting filler episode. So, um, yeah, and like I said, even for these these early sections, I thought it was pretty entertaining before we got to uh, the real meat of it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was enjoying it all the way through. Yeah, totally. I uh, let's 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 get into it. let's get into the meat of it, right? Like let's get into the main part of this story, which is once they get collapsed a second, it's caught in a second tunnel that's collapsed on them. Um, they have a moment where. Omega's a little bit 
I don't know, emotional, a little bit testy. Uh, and, uh, and, and Hunter and Wrecker are kind of giving her a little bit of space. They're a little bit more empathetic. I, uh, and, uh, uh, letting her, you know, kind of, uh, feel her feelings, but tech decides at this point that he's going to speak up, right. He's going to get involved and he's like, I don't get it. Like, it, like things change. People leave. It happens. <laughs> and she's like, what is, what's wrong with you? And storms off. And it's like, I need to be alone. And then later I, I like it when Hunter actually Wrecker is the first one who's like, you gotta go make that right. Right. And which I really mm-hmm. like that. Like um, Wrecker might be the big dumb brute, but actually like in terms of emotional intelligence, he might be the most well-adjusted. Um, yeah. So he's like, he basically like says to, to tech, like you got to go fix it. And then Hunter's like, he's right. It's like, you go find her. And he doesn't specifically say like, go find her and apologize, but he basically says, go find her and apologize. Right. And, uh, and so tech goes off to find Omega who has found a vein of like very pure, whatever it is there after this pure or, um, and so she, she's, this is such a great line. She's in the middle of, of drilling into it and tech like pokes his head through and it's like, you have to be very like, that's almost pure, whatever it is. You have to be careful. And she's like, well then you better not distract me. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. shut up. Um, and she gets the job done. And then, and so then the two of them sort of start to mend fences a little bit, but then she ends up falling down the shaft and, it's like, uh, obviously Omega didn't just die, but like, what happened? And <laughs> before you even have a moment to like process that Omega has just fallen down a bottomless pit, Tech just jumps in. Like, he just goes. And uh, I think that this is actually really important story-wise for what's about to happen next. Because this whole episode, we've been having to listen to Tech talk about being tactically sound and making the right decision and having all of the information and, you know, all of these like classic sort of tech things, but like almost like cranked up, which some people might look at and go like, wow, why are they like emphasizing this in this episode? It's so weird. It's out of character. It's like, it's not out of character. It's the point. And the point is that tech is also upset that echo has left, but he doesn't know how to deal with it he doesn't have the words for it and he doesn't um, he doesn't have like the emotional intelligence to understand what he's feeling. I don't know if emotional intelligence, like that makes it sound like he's like, he's some sort of robot or something like that. But um, he, the thing with tech is that he deals with things the way that he deals with things and he doesn't ask for help. Which, which I think is actually like very accurate when we talk about about where this ends up. But um, like there is a there there is this component where it's like he's obviously also upset, and so he's he's been acting he's kind of been acting up a little bit. He's been a little obnoxious, more obnoxious than usual. I uh, uh, even more so pointing out the obvious uh, to to the guys and like patronizing them, right? I. So then to have him throw absolute caution to the wind and just dive into this hole was like, okay, 
Uh, so clearly he cares quite a bit about Omega. It's just he has a different way of showing it. And that is you have to focus on your studies. You have, I'm going to quiz you on this thing, right? He's What he's focusing on are the things that are important to him and making sure that she that they are also important to her, right? Um, which is like a classic parenting uh, 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 sort of trap that you fall into. Um, is being more overly focused on the things that that uh, are important to you or were difficult for you and not really recognizing your kid and their ability to deal with stuff or what they actually need to focus on. Um, this happens more often than you think. I, I, and so he jumps in and it's like, there's a couple of seconds. It was actually long, a lot longer than, than, uh, was comfortable before you like they sort of resolve it and it's like okay there's water at the bottom of this yeah of this tube uh, i have expected it to be one of those things where because it i mean it was kind of like dusty and you know foggy in that hole so like obviously you couldn't see the bottom of it so i i almost expected it to be one of those things where like omega falls and you know the bottom of the pit is like five feet below and you just can't see because it's like shrouded in, in dust or whatever but then tech mm -hmm. jumps in after her and then they're both just going to be standing there like oh we're fine but then omega's like oh tech like you jumped in after me you do care um yeah yeah but that's kind of what then, yeah but then that didn't happen. And yeah, you're right. You're like, wait, where did they just go? Like, obviously yeah. they're not dead, but like, they're just falling. Yeah. It would be wild if they just killed those two characters in this episode. <laughs> and then it's like, then the show is just about Hunter and Wrecker. Um, I, the, and, and then eventually just about Wrecker. Cause uh, yeah, I, but so, so they end up in the water and then they end up sort of coming out in this little like cavern um, surrounded by the water. And I, I, everything else that happens sort of plot wise at this point is not that big of a deal. I eventually they'll radio to Hunter and, and Wrecker and be like, Oh, you got to bring us down the, 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 the vials, but like, be careful. Cause if they explode, we'll all die. And it's like, okay, whatever. Um, so, and they'll, they'll meet up with them eventually. Right. But what's important is what happens in between, which is that, stuck down here together isolated even more i tech and omega have this little bit of a heart to heart like she kind of presses him and is like i don't get it like why like everything's changing i i echo's gone and like you don't you don't even seem to care and i uh, and and tech has this moment i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it up because there's a there's a direct quote that's really important for this episode um she, she's kind of confronted him right and said like oh you know like like all of this stuff has happened and and it doesn't even affect you and what tech says to her and like the whole time i'm watching this episode i'm like wow they're really like like i i skirting the line on on this subject matter uh and then they go ahead and essentially confirm something uh with this line so what tech says is i i may process moments and thoughts differently but that does not mean that i feel any less than you so um not everybody listening to this podcast is going to have uh, as much familiarity 
uh, with, uh, with autism or neurodivergence, you know, a, uh, autism spectrum disorder or anything like or Asperger's, that sort of thing, uh, as, 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 as other people might. Crystal works with, with children with autism. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a big part of the conversations that we have. It's a big part of our life. Um, and, uh, and also like my, my brother has down syndrome. So that's, a, a amongst other things, he is neurodivergent as well. Um, and then this is also sort of adjacent to ADHD and that sort of thing. So, um, this language that he uses is exactly the language that a neurodivergent person, generally a person with, with uh, autism spectrum disorder, would use uh, to to refer to the like sort of the the way that they see the world, as opposed to a uh, a, a, a neurotypical or or person in the neuro majority would would uh, see the world right. And it's it, to me, it's that one word. It's the word process, right? It's like I process mm-hmm. things differently. Um, it, that language is very, very clear. And the whole episode I had been like leading up to this going like, man, they're really like like tech is really like like uh, like ASD coded um, as a character. And then they have this moment where he just flat out says that that's exactly what's going on which is um is it's kind of a big deal and and I'll explain why there are a lot of autistic characters on television autistic representation and awareness uh, let's call it that um is not something i uh, that's uncommon right like i think that i think that most people are aware of autism I, I, as, as a, as a condition, as a disorder, I, I guess as it's clinically referred to. Right. Um, that said, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about what autism is, how it presents and, and, uh, sort of the reality of it because of the way that it's been represented in television, uh, in film and television. So I'll point at a really terrible example uh, which is which is actually uh, informed by another really terrible example. So if you've seen Batman v Superman, uh, sorry, not Batman v Superman, uh, uh, Justice League, and you've wondered what's up with their interpretation of Barry Allen, uh, the Flash, uh, it is that that character is very heavily autistic coded. And he uses some language that's similar to this, so, but, but it's not as... Um, tight it's not as on point as what tech says in this episode which is like how a character with neurodivergence would refer to themselves like it's how they would express like express how they they see the world um instead in the in the the flash character i i in justice league it is it's a gag it's a joke right and that's usually it so Autism in media usually presents in one of sort of three ways, right? You either get this person is quirky and so we're going to never say the A word, but we're going to uh, we're going to use tropes that are associated with autism in order to pull off gags. 
the reason why the flash in justice league is autistic or autistic coded, we should say, cause they never flat out say it. But the reason why he's coded that way is a direct reference to the big bang theory <laughs> where I uh, Sheldon, who is also autistic coded. They never flat out say it in that show, as far as I know, but they, but they heavily, heavily, heavily imply it, which is almost worse because uh, they treat it like it's a bad word. Right. Um, he, he wears a flash shirt a lot. Like it's like his signature look is like a flash t-shirt. Um, and so like, there's like a, there's a direct parallel there of like the big bang theory is really popular. Let's make our flash like that. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it like, I find it to be really tiresome. I hate that. The, the, so that's one of them is that like, Oh, let's make our character quirky and weird and let's, not call it autism, but let's definitely make some allusions to the fact that this could be autism. The other way is like a TV show, like the good doctor or, um, you know, I, there are a lot of like Sherlock Holmes interpretations that are like this, where it's like autism presents as a superpower that a character has that they either use to diagnose medical uh, uh, oddities or solve crimes. Right. Right. Um, it's, uh, there's a joke in community because <laughs> I, I, Abed is, is, is very heavily autistic coded as well. I don't think that they ever use that word either. Um, but I, uh, there's a joke where it's like, there's like a crime that's happened. Uh, and they, uh, they, they ask him to just, <laughs> the Dean asks him to just, can't you use your specialness to like tell us what happened. And he just like starts like blinking wildly and looking around the room. And he's like, ah, I see TV shows relying on a gimmick. And it's, I, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny, but I, uh, they're poking fun specifically at the fact that there are a bunch of TV shows that use autism in that way. And then the, the other way that autism is represented, that is way less frequent these days, but that does still happen. Um, and is definitely in like like older media is to just have the person be like nonverbal and uh, uh, prone to outbursts and and you know stuff like that, right? Which I the 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 problem with this is that like autism is a spectrum; it's not one thing. It's it doesn't present as one set of um, of, of symptoms of of behaviors. It it it's a spectrum and, and a spectrum people, you say spectrum and they think it's like, like a gradient, like there's a left and a right. And there's a whole bunch of like things in between. But what, what a spectrum actually means is that like, it's like, um, like a star chart. If you know what that means, like, like there are different spokes along a wheel and then I, a different individual might have different levels of, um, you know, uh, like various, various uh, things that you'd be tracking. I, I, and like, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how, how that stuff is charted. So I won't speak to it, but that's more what ASD is sort of referring to in, in when it refers to a spectrum is that you can kind of, um, I, I, it can present in a lot of different ways and it, and it it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we kind of lump it all together, even though it's actually probably like a, it's probably the more science figures this out, the closer, like the more we realize that there's probably multiple things happening here that, um, 
that just happen to go together. They happen to present uh, uh, alongside one another. Um, and we kind of lump them all together into something that we call autism spectrum disorder. Uh, so the reason why tech as an autistic character is important in this context is that he is presented in a very fair, a very even, and a very realistic way in these respects. A, the line that I quoted where he's like, I just, I process things differently. It doesn't mean that I don't feel what you feel. Like it's just, it's going to come out different and it it's being processed different. It's going in and coming out in different ways than a neurotypical person. Um, and, and also like, here's an example of a character who is useful to the team, right? He's a contributing member. Um, his, his autism is not played as a, as a detriment or, uh, um, like a fatal character flaw. It is an aspect of his character and it's, it's equally weighted against things like Hunter's overly cautious nature and, uh, and Wrecker's sort of like, uh, doing before thinking, right? Like these are like, like all of this is, is, is equal, right? There's no like othering of tech because, because he he behaves in these certain ways right it's just that like sometimes tech says some says things and he's not really thinking empathetically about how another person is going to take that he's just making a statement of fact and it's been i mean like that's been in there since season one it's been in there first since the first episode right yeah there's been in there since clone wars yeah, um, they sit down at the in the mess hall, and he's like, "I'm I was merely stating a fact, an objective fact, right?" And it's like, mm-hmm. but sometimes objective facts aren't what we need, right? Like, I, I, so yeah, I just, I, just, I wanted to call it out specifically and talk about it because I just think that they, they, um, they nailed it. I mean, like this is this was an intentional story beat the episode is built around getting to this moment. It is the emotional climax of the episode. Uh, It was the point. It absolutely was the point. This episode is the farthest thing from filler that I can imagine, because what are we doing if we're not here to learn about these characters, who they are, how they experience the world um, and their relationships to each other. And so tech, sitting down having this conversation with omega a child who does not have a lot of experience in the world even less than the average child her age right um and she's been getting a crash course in the real world and this is one place where her knowledge and experience is severely lacking right she spent most of her life surrounded by clones who are all identical um and think the same way and sort of act and behave in a very similar fashion. Right. Uh, because they've all been genetically engineered to, and then here come the bad batch who are these, uh, genetic aberrations. And what does that mean? Right? Like, like, I, we know their superpowers, but like, what does that translate to? And, and having that translate for tech into uh 
this fundamental difference between him and the other clones uh, in that his brain functions in a different fashion. And that might be the key to his tactical thinking. So we're close. We're real close in on that like super autistic trope, but they've never really um, tech tech is not, there are no moments where tech stops and looks around a room and, and, you know, like I, I does like a Sherlock Holmes, like, you know, everything goes into Batman detective mode. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and he said, it's just that, it's just that he is, um, I've never seen it that like tech is smarter than any other clone. It's not that his brain is smarter, right? It's that he sees things differently. And so it, he, he's got like a hyper-focus, which like that as, as, as somebody with, uh, I'll say undiagnosed ADHD, undiagnosed adult ADHD, but it's, it's, it's the, it's the latest trend guys. Uh, hop on board. Um, <laughs> But as somebody who recognizes that in themselves and like hyper focus, it's like that's not specifically an autism trait either, right? Like that's just a neurodivergence that that some people uh, have to deal with, and it can be a huge benefit. <laughs> it's a superpower. It is also it can also be a huge detriment because sometimes your hyper focus takes you to places where you don't need to be uh, when you really need to be doing other things, but all you want to do is finish playing Metroid Prime Remastered. I. <laughs> uh, I, and so it's all you can think about, but like, I, I've always just read it that like tech is, um, specialized, right? Like, like he, it's, it's not a difference of physical capability. Like it is with Wrecker and Hunter. It's a little bit like I see him and Crosshair as being a little bit more similar in that way in that like Crosshair, whatever, whatever's going on in Crosshair's head, which I, I personally think that that especially with this, I think that the difference is that whatever is wired differently in Crosshair in his in his brain, like his his uh, in his neurology, he's a he's uh, this is kind of bad. He's a little more sociopathic than the other ones. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't care about other people's feelings. It's different than tech where like tech has a hard time empathizing. So it's like he sees it the way that he sees it. And then it takes him a second, takes him a beat to realize, oh, you guys don't you guys don't see it the same way that I do. But he cares. He still cares. And so in a moment like this, he takes the effort to try and explain it to Omega, whereas Crosshair is like, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. I'm right. I'm always right. Everything I do is right. It's everybody else who's wrong, right? So, uh, you know, his his murdering of, of uh, 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 separatists or whatever, I can't remember what they referred to them as in that episode in, in season one. But, you know, like him being sort of cold-hearted and ruthless uh, uh, is, a, is a result of his neurology being different from the other clones and what that turns into is a fixation on his weapon training his specific weapon training which is 
as a sniper right so uh he uh he's just he's just really really trained the heck out of that ability um as opposed to again like like wrecker who very clearly has like a physical augmentation he has a literal superpower as does hunter who can like they we see it in this episode actually for the first time in a while we've actually gotten to see hunter uh hunter's abilities come out as he like reacts to the ship powering up before yep. anybody else does before because anybody he can else hear hears it. it yeah yeah um, I feel which like i thought was a couple really other, cool. i feel like there were a couple other moments in here too where like he yeah. he caught on to things before people other people did or he was you the, know, sta- the stampede right like he's he was like yeah. before yeah, 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 before yeah. anybody else even knew what was happening he was like run because <laughs> yeah. he could he yeah. could feel it coming in the ground and i right? i really like that because you're right like it's been a while since they've kind of highlighted that yeah. i feel like when you think about each of the members of the group like when i think about wrecker I, you know the first thing i think of is his physical strength when i think of tech i think of his his tactical abilities when i think of hunter i just think leader of the group like i feel like he's yeah. kind of the one that is not as defined as much by his um you know, by his special skills or whatever that he has, it's more so just that like, he's the leader of the group. He's sort of the main character, if you will. Um, so yeah, it's nice to say, I mean, sometimes they, they throw this stuff in and it's like, Oh yeah. Hunter's got abilities too. Um, and obviously, I mean, those are the type of things that are not going to be, you know, the most useful, like in every situation. So it makes sense that we don't see that like sort of highlighted every week, but, um, yeah, it was nice to put him in a situation where they could kind of highlight that and, and make it useful. I actually think that it was even like brought to our attention in this episode to make us start thinking along those lines so that when we get to these moments with tech that we're already sort of thinking about like these things that make each of them different. And, and then, and then we get like this explanation of what actually is different about tech. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, because I, I think we we kind of saw those moments for all of them. Even Wrecker. I mean, I feel like it's pretty common. Like every week, Wrecker's picking up something heavy. But even like when they were trapped in the tunnels, yeah. like you'd see like Hunter and Tech struggling to move a boulder together, and then Wrecker, you know, moving the same boulder with one hand. So yeah, yeah. I think the thing about Wrecker is that it's so easy, right? In a, in an yeah. action oriented TV show, it's so easy to just go back to his super strength a lot, but. It's it's a lot harder to put us into situations where Hunter's abilities are going to come into play in a direct way like they did this week. Um, but like especially for tech, I think I think it's a, it's even harder. And I think I honestly I think one of the reasons why they why they pivoted Echo's story in the way that they did is because of how hard it is to differentiate him from the rest of the group, which is something that we've talked about so much this season. Um, and so they gave him instead of focusing in on his abilities, which have a lot of crossover into tech's area of expertise, they instead chose to focus on his ideology as his as sort of his superpower. Um, and that's that's, I think, the interesting part. And, and like when I say superpower, like what I'm talking about is like the same as like the Ninja Turtles, right? Like. Cause that's how I always go back to the Ninja Turtles analogy with these guys where you've got like Leonardo's the leader, Donatello does machines, Raphael is cool, but rude. And Michelangelo's a party dude. Like that's, those are their, they're, they're all ninja, but like those are their individual uh, personality superpowers. Right. Um, And it's this, and I think of it the same way with the bad batch where it's like, you know, they have these things that make them different, make them stand out. 
but at the end of the day, they're all they're still all clone troopers. So they're still all as awesome as Captain Rex or Commander Cody um, in those respects. But then on top of it, they have these things that distinguish them even more. So, um, but yeah, so like I I was loving this episode before we even got into what ended up being like the the core, like the purpose of the episode. But then once that happened. Um, and, and I love like the environment that they were in and all of that. Like, it was just, I, I, I feel like they, they just nailed it. They just, they just really, they took something that could have been cringy, um, at, at, at best in most cases and like offensive at worst. Uh, and they really threaded the needle and, and that's the writing. That's the writing. Uh, D. Bradley Baker's performance gets a lot of credit as well. But I think that this started on the page with those words. Um, and I have to imagine that that is uh, in relation to a lived experience, um, whether it's it's uh, uh, a close relationship with someone uh, on, on the spectrum or it's uh, or it's a personal experience because the language that was used was very intentional and very meaningful. And I was, I was sort of watching it going like, am I uh, seeing, you know, zebra prints where, uh, where I should be seeing horse prints, right? Hoof prints. But, but then I went online, I went on Twitter and like within a couple of minutes, I was like, Oh no, uh, here are actual human beings (laughs) on the spectrum (laughs) saying, Holy crap that episode was directed at me. Um, and so I just like that representation is always something that, that, uh, is going to be important to me, um, which might sound weird. Cause you know, I, I, I think to, to most of our listeners, they are going to consider me a, 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 you know, a standard, uh, cisgender heterosexual white male, <laughs> which is, how I get to live my life and the privilege that I get to, uh, that I get to experience um, for sure. So I don't discount that. Like that is how I'm perceived by most of the world. But the reality is that I'm also Jewish, uh, which, which is, uh, uh, comes with its own set of, of, uh, of interesting challenges and, and that sort of thing. And then on top of that, I also have first nations heritage. I, I, and so like, like, we're talking about like, I am only uh, two generations removed from, from family that live on reservation that are like full blooded uh, first nations. So um, it's, I, I like, that's like, that's part of my background as well. So representation matters a lot to me um, uh, and seeing characters that, that um, uh, fit those, those i uh, i know how important it is to see characters that fit those i uh, i uh, what i can't think of the the word but like like i like sort of check those boxes right yeah um for myself i especially when when a character shows up in a tv show and they're jewish but also christian in the way that i am cuz i was i am jewish by by uh race but was raised christian and so when I encounter a character in a TV show or find out that an actor 
comes from a similar background, like let's say Harrison Ford, I, I, it, that's always a big deal to me. So I, I, I can, I can relate and understand how important representation is. But then also, I just think that like what's what's good for for minorities is good for everybody, right? So when representation happens in media, I'm, I always want to celebrate it. I always want to call it out especially 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 when it's done well and i just think from my perspective as somebody who who is not on the spectrum but does have uh neurodivergence i i like in my brain i seeing a character very clearly state that they are neurodivergent and it's star Wars. So we're not going to, no one's going to say the word autism in this context because they are not necessarily going to have that language. Um, they're not going to necessarily say neuro neurodivergent either. Um, but it's space fantasy and in space fantasy terms, the language that we got in this episode is very clear. It's very, very clear. And I just applaud them for that. They, that um this this cartoon this star wars cartoon went to a place that i'll be be honest like the live action shows aren't going to do this the movies aren't going to do this this is this is the benefit that we have of getting to spend this much time with these types of characters in the types of stories that they're telling and i just think like like that is a thing for me that we should celebrate that we should all take a look at and go, thank God we've got the bad batch so that we can tell these stories. Right. And we can all experience this together in with the lens of star Wars so that kids out there who are watching star Wars and saying like, I love it, but I don't see myself on screen. Like now they do. Right. When that's like, this is like representation one one. That's why it matters. That's why it's important. And that's why it's like, for me, it's like, let's call it out. Let's celebrate it when it gets done. Well. Um, so yeah, uh, that that's, that's, I think everything that I have to say on the subject, I don't know if you want to add anything, Kyle, but I, uh, that's my soapbox for this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really feel like I have much more to add, but um yeah, I mean, those are great points that you made. And like you said, I mean, any any representation where somebody can, you know, see themselves or, or an aspect of themselves and their pers- their um, experience, you know, portrayed on screen in a, you yeah. know, in a real and authentic and relatable way in these stories that we all love, I think is, you know, like you said, it's a win for everybody. So, yeah. Um, and in, you know, I mean, in a, in a broader storytelling sense too, like, I just love when you have these moments, you know, kind of these, these tender moments where you have a character who, whether it's neurodivergence or they have, you know, trauma or walls up, or they're like a big macho man type character or whatever that are like, you know, showing no emotion. And you kind of crack that facade and realize like, oh, they do have a heart and, you know, they get to have like a, a tender emotional moment with another character. I always really like those kind of moments. So, um, yeah. When, when that, when we get past the surface and we see that a character who we thought was one thing actually has a depth to them that we weren't, that we weren't expecting. Right. That's it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's, that's, um, that's just good storytelling, right. Is, you know, like, like just right when you think, you, you know everything there is to know about this character. Like I said, we just got an episode focused on tech a couple weeks ago. 
right? Like it's really not been that long. Faster was only mm-hmm. like a month ago. It was like like four four weeks ago. So, and, and yet again, I feel like that episode r- was more of a showcase for like his abilities you know to to show yeah. like oh you know yeah. because of his prowess with technology and computers and his his smarts and his ability to you know learn things really quickly he's able to learn this machine on the fly and enter this race that's really dangerous and most people would not be able to do that uh at all let alone you know picking it up as quickly as tech did um so that's kind of showcasing more like the special ability side of things and now we have this episode where it's like we're looking at the human behind that and and his emotional side and how he's not all just logic you know even if he seems like that on the surface yeah it's more it 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 makes that episode as what i always say good star wars makes other star wars better right like that's that's when it's at its best and this now like going back to the episode faster now and there's a whole other layer to it because we have this extra depth to the character, right? And so like how could it how could any of this be filler? How could any of these episodes be filler if each week we're getting another piece of the puzzle, another another aspect of one of these characters that we've explored, right? Like it just I uh, that that statement is never going to hold water with me at this point. Because this show, this is what it is. This is what it's about. It's not about, you know, it's not Obi-Wan Kenobi, where Obi-Wan Kenobi is, oh my God, this character, you know, well, here's this untold story that monumentally shifts our, the way that we see his journey, Leia's journey, Vader's journey, the Inquisitors, like there's a massive stuff happens in Obi-Wan Kenobi, like just galaxy shifting events. And that's awesome. And I love that too. And that's great for that story. But then we have Bad Batch that can be a little bit quieter and a little bit softer uh, in these moments. And it's a little bit closer. I mean, like Andor, I think it manages to do that as well, right? Um, the, it's just Andor is a little bit more laser focused on one character as opposed to the ensemble, which Bad Batch uh, has going for it so yeah it's this this has actually like reinvigorated me on the show uh if you guys can't tell like i'm really excited to see where we're gonna go in these next few episodes before we get to the finale um we are two weeks away today from uh, uh mando coming back um and man like i did like mando's not gonna do this <laughs> you know what i mean like i cannot see an episode of mando getting this um deep and being this meaningful um as much as i love that show i i, I well i maybe i shouldn't say that because i think that there was some stuff in book of boba fett that definitely went to this level right that that definitely played with the same s- sort of storytelling um of like the emotionality and what's going on inside a character's head and and that sort of thing but um because boba's journey with the tuscans was definitely it definitely had some deeper moments. I, I, but, but I'll call that out. Like, well, like my favorite moment from all of book of Boba Fett is the, is the ceremony at the end of, of, uh, I like all of his, uh, his trials or whatever, after he's built his, his gaffy stick and they dance around the fire. I mean, like it's like, there's no dialogue. It's just, it's just a moment. Such a cool moment. 
and it's so good. It's 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 not only my favorite moment from Book of Boba Fett. It is one of like my top five moments in all of Star Wars. Like it was so good and so meaningful. This moment in in this episode of Bad Batch uh, uh, in the Crossing, like it's it's up there. It's up there. This is definitely like a top ten um, because it's just I was not expecting this show to go to this kind of a place uh and for star wars to go out of its way to make a bit of a statement like this and i just i really really applaud uh jennifer corbett and and brad rao who are the executive producers on the show uh for for taking the show in this direction because like what a like honestly what a gamble for a a cartoon show right like for for what is essentially a show aimed at you know eight to 13 year olds um but important right like like that's Mm -hmm. that's the reason to do it is that this will give a whole new generation of star wars fans a different perspective than the older generation that they will be better for like that's and that that's like objective in my opinion like that, which is a weird way of saying that because opinion is subjective. But like from from my point of view, that is an objectively good thing um, to have this kind of representation in a show to give kids not just the ones who are relating to the character, but also the ones who are in school with other kids and don't necessarily know how to how to um interact <laughs> right with with someone who is neurodivergent some somebody who's on the spectrum i because i think we just instantly we other right and I, like that's what omega is doing in this episode she's kind of like pushing tech away and just going like you're just mean you're just a jerk like like why are you this way and then he stops and goes let me explain to you why i talk the way that i talk and why i react to things the way i react and it allows her to now empathize with him and their relationship is deeper. And hopefully that translates off the screen into the lives of the people watching the show. Cause again, like that's the point. That's why we do this. That's why we tell stories, right? It's not just to be entertained, right? It's also to make ourselves better human beings. So this is the point of like, greek myth like it was like it wasn't just like look at these dumb characters doing dumb things uh and then you know here's an action sequence it was like look at look at these flaws in humanity in the way that we are as people and maybe by looking at that you can avoid it maybe you can learn from it and um and that's what like this episode is a great example of that of like you know, if it even just subconsciously puts it in the head of a kid, maybe the next time somebody is acting the way that tech acts, take a second, pause, breathe. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe they're not a jerk. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe they just see the world differently. And if you can just try and relate to them, maybe you can avoid conflict. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's why I say, like, I objectively see that as a good thing. Like that is that is a, a thing that makes the world a better place. I, I I wish that all of Star Wars could embrace that a little bit more, but you know the movies are going to be focused more on epic things and big adventures and whatnot. Yeah. Um, 
but that's why we're so lucky right now to live in the space that we're living in with star Wars, where we can have these smaller stories that can be personal, that can be uh, soft and quiet in the way that this episode was. And uh, yeah. So uh, if, if I see people calling this episode filler, I, I'm just going to, I don't know. I'm just going to chew them out. I'm going to be like, you're stop watching the show. Just <laughs> stop. If this, if this episode wasn't, if you were like, this is boring and pointless, I'm going to be like, then, then this isn't the show for you. Go watch something else. You know, you don't have to be into every single piece of star Wars media. The high Republic is not for me. It's fine. It doesn't mean the high Republic is bad. It just means that it's not for me. I'm not into it. And that's like other people. My friends are way into it. They're all like, Oh, I love this character. And I'm just like, I don't know. They all just seem boring to me. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it's just, it's not for me, but I, that's cool. That's fine. It's fine for you to not know every single fact about Star Wars. It's fine for you to be focused on the things that bring you joy and to ignore the things that either are just kind of there or make you unhappy, right? Um, The problem is that every time I ask my kids which Star Wars movie they want to watch, Kara always picks The Rise of Skywalker. So I can't avoid it. I can't. She always wants to watch Rise. Uh, every once in a while I can convince her to watch the force awakens or the last Jedi, but she always, it's just, I don't, I, it's, I mean, she just, she loves Ray so much. And I, that story focused so much on her, uh, the rest of the ensemble be damned. <laughs> like <laughs> that movie is, that movie <laughs> should what, just be called star Abrams Wars. Too. Yeah. Star Wars, <laughs> Ray Skywalker. That's what this movie is. Um, that's what it should actually be titled. Um, but anyways, I, I cool. Uh, anything left to say about this episode or are we good? I think we're good. I I think we did it. uh, Yeah, I think we're good. Awesome. I, man, what is next week's episode called? I don't even, I don't, I don't. I've actually, I've, I've got the list up here, uh, still because I was looking it up while we were talking. The next one is called Retrieval. Um, because I was curious. I gotta get the shit back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, they mentioned a couple times during this episode, they talked about like, oh, you know, we could contact Echo, but like, we can't because he's got his comms shut off because him and Rex are like on a secret mission right now or something. And so I wondered if maybe we'd go off and have a Rex and Echo episode and see what they're up to and then come back to the Bad Batch. But yeah, that title retrieval, I'm sure that's them getting off the planet. I don't know if that's Sid sending somebody to retrieve them or if it's them going to retrieve their ship or both, but I I think next week will probably be like a part two to to what this was. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um I just want to note that like I brought up the Clone Wars when we were looking up the episode titles. Earlier I brought up the Clone Wars on IMDb and the the season 7 trailer is is like auto playing on the on the page and holy crap what season seven of clone wars incredible <laughs> uh, yeah. i just got like a, like the cliff notes of it and it was just like oh my god it, it was so good i uh, awesome cool you guys that's it for this episode i uh, you got two this week isn't that awesome and two i uh, i uh, over an hour each um so i'm i hope that everybody is is happy about that i hope everybody enjoyed this episode as much as i did or or at least you know close 
I don't know. I think I'm probably in the minority of people who are like, this is one of the best episodes of the series. But I, uh, but for me, it's just, yeah, it, it, it really, really resonated. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I hope that everybody else did too. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully Joe will be back with us. Um, and we'll be talking about retrieval and hopefully, hopefully Hondo is in that episode. Let's all oh, cross we'll our see. fingers. I don't know. Here's like, this is the thing I can find out right now. I can find out right now. Maybe I will. Maybe That's I'll watch true. it. You could, I could, I, uh, the, 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 the fact that there, the, there has never been a point in this season where I had, other than when I watched the premiere, as soon as I got the episodes, there has never been a point in this season where I have been more inclined to just crack open those screeners. Uh, <laughs> be- and it is the very fact that there's, there is a percentage, there is a non-zero percentage chance that I, uh, that Hondo is in the next episode and that, that's why I'm here, you guys. This is that's why we're the Star Wars Animation Podcast because like that means Hondo. He's got it. He has to show up in this series at some point. It's impossible for him not to. So, I, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see you next week. I uh, thank you guys for listening, and I, I I will will catch you on the next episode. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again. Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.